play and stay on Washington State's Kitsap Peninsula, the natural side of the Puget Sound. Stand up paddleboarding, hiking, great restaurants and breweries. I'll tell you more about your next vacation destination later in the show. This is your last meal. I'm your host, Rachel Bell, and every episode I interview a celebrity about what they would choose to eat for their last meal, and then we explore the history of that food, the culture, and whatever else we can cram into 30 minutes. But this episode, this episode is a little bit different. This one is Song's Celebrity. Don't worry, next week we'll be back with famous people. Well, one famous person, Neil deGrasse Tyson. But I think you're gonna be excited about this episode because today on the program, it's my mom. Hi. Hi. Hi, can you hear me okay? Yeah. I caught my mom while she was solo road tripping from the Bay Area to Los Angeles, and she did the interview pulled over in a truck stop parking lot somewhere. Oh, and I should mention that my mom has a name. I think we forget that our moms have names. It's Barbara. Barbara the mom. Barbara the mom was such a Barbara Streisand fan back in the day that she, A, temporarily changed the spelling of her name to B-A-R-B-R-A, just to be matchy-matchy with Barbara Streisand. That's how she spells her name. And B, when I was in middle school, my family went to Los Angeles and we bought one of those star maps so you can drive around and visit celebrity homes. And we found Barbara Streisand's house and my mom made me get out of the car and steal a cardboard box out of her garbage can that said (laughs) that said Streisand on it and we kept that for decades until we moved out of that house yeah (laughs) what can I say she loves a Streisand can it be that it was Also, on this special Two Days After Mother's Day episode, I almost make producer Aaron barf multiple times when I force him to edit my interview with a professional placenta encapsulator. I dehydrate placentas, grind them into powder, and fill them into capsules for moms to take postpartum. My mom, Barbara, was born in the Bronx in 1949, and she was raised in Brooklyn. And I would feel bad about telling you her age because she is very vain, except for the fact that for many years she had a vanity plate on her car that said Bronx 49. So secrets out. Now I can tell you her age on my podcast. You just have to do some simple math. So Barbara was raised by a single mother, and she hung out on the street a lot. She hung out in Brooklyn with guys named Howie and Stewie, and they ate hot dogs from carts and pickles from barrels, and it seemed like the only time they went out to eat, it would be for spare ribs and lo mein at a Chinese restaurant. And as a kid, I love these stories because her childhood was so different from my childhood in suburbia, living on the end of a cul-de-sac with a nuclear family. I completely romanticized this life my mom had as a latchkey kid on the streets of Brooklyn. I wanted to know how the way that she ate growing up influenced the way she decided to feed my sister and me. Well, being in the Bronx and my mother worked a lot, everything was canned. So all the vegetables were canned. So I never really had a real vegetable that was fresh. I never knew about artichokes. I didn't even know about an avocado. I had TV dinners. So when I moved to California and I met a friend and she took me in the market 
and she showed me what real mushrooms were and avocados, artichokes, and I didn't know all this fresh vegetables were around or really good fruit. And uh, ever since I moved there, it was like in 1970, 70, 71, that's when I learned how to really eat fresh and uh, started to eat less meat. And going to L.A., it was really tacos and fresh food. And that's how I started. So when I had you guys, you know, I said, I'm going to put you all on fresh food and not eat the junk the way I did. And I had, uh, you know, cavities and, you know, I ate a lot of chocolates and candy. And I said I wasn't going to do that to you girls because uh, I learned how to eat healthy. So basically that's what really happened to me. My eyes just like opened up to like all this great food. But when you went to grandma, she would give you the bad food, the processed cheeses, you know, and the, and the macaronis. And I used to go and say, don't give her this. You know, she'd have all these chips and we'd go back and forth. And uh, but she grew up like that, and then I grew up like that. But she never knew, uh, you know, to how to eat better. So I was really feeling blessed that I knew that there was good food out there, and that I could nourish you with that. One thing I never asked you that I've been confused about for a long time is that you would let us eat some kind of junk food, but not others. So we were not allowed to have sugar cereals, but sometimes you would let us put chocolate syrup in the milk. And then we were allowed to have Kraft mac and cheese, but you didn't like to get Chef Boyardee. So I feel like as an adult now, I'm like, I'm confused. uh Why could we have one thing and not the other thing? Because the, that was in a can. (laughs) So you have PTSD of cans. The mac and cheese was in a box, you know, and it wasn't like in a can. And I guess I had this thing about having stuff in a can. I see that now. Yeah. Vegetables or even having it like that. I mean, but I try to stay away from all kinds of cans, food. A thing I always thought it was going to be bad or rust or not taste good because the green beans I remember never tasted good in the can. So the green beans fresh tasted really good. And you always loved that. You loved all the fresh food. And, and uh, look how healthy you are now. Ta-da! So um, Ta-da. talk about, you only knew how to cook a couple of things when you met Dad. What were those things? Very little. Well, you know, the only thing that I could really do, I used to buy lamb chops. That's the only thing, like, real something. But other than that, I would put on rice But when I met your father, I actually learned how to put all these vegetables in. And he put the fish in the vegetables to make a fish stew. And that's how I started learning a little bit more and more. But no, I mean, I was not a cook because my mom wasn't. She was not into it, into food. So I never was really... What is it like cooking for kids? Because I imagine that it would be very unsatisfying because kids can be picky and they complain and they don't say thank you. They're just used to getting fed a meal. What was your experience being a mom who cooked dinner almost every night? Well, you know what? I was different because I talked to other friends and they would make what they wanted and they didn't really care if their kids liked it. I, on the other hand, always wanted to know what you wanted to eat. And if I made two different dinners, whatever you like, because I wanted you to eat. So I did that a lot. I used to spoil you guys and they'd go, why do you do that? I don't care. You know, parents would tell me, I go, no, 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 I can't do that. Because I experienced with one of the, our family members that they would make something and then the child, my nephew wouldn't eat it. And they wouldn't let him leave the table until he ate it. And he was crying. And I just couldn't, 
do that. So I just wanted you guys to be happy. And that's how I did it. Well, that's nice. Yeah, Thank you. <laughs> and look how it turned out because you were so young and you were using chopsticks and you were eating Japanese food and all kinds of foods. And that made, gave me such pleasure to know that you were adventurous and that you could really eat all kinds of foods. I really didn't want to restrict anything. I, I wanted to please everyone. But then every time I would make chicken, you go, oh, God, there's chicken again. But I really like chicken. You made a lot of chicken. It was the 80s. You did everything <laughs> non-fat. It was like non-fat milk, non-fat sour cream, margarine, and then like a ton of chicken. Right. So it was like the 80s way of eating. That's right. But then I took away the margarine and I started using butter. And this isn't the first time I've interviewed my mom. A couple years ago, I was debating getting a Christmas tree, which is really weird because I never, ever wanted a Christmas tree before. I grew up Jewish, uh, never had a Christmas tree. But then I started seeing them, you know, on the tops of people's cars when they were coming home from the tree farm. And for the first time in my life, I thought, that looks really cozy. How nice to have a tree in your house. I love plants. And I was dating someone not Jewish. And I thought, oh, maybe he would like it. And I could have this tree in my apartment. So I called my mom and I asked her what she thought. Um, no, I don't care. No, I think if you want to experiment and experience it, go right ahead. But then later in the day, she left me this message. Hey, Rachel Bell, this is your mother. I keep thinking about what you've said and called me. I think you're crazy about a Christmas tree. You know, I'm sort of like in shock that you would even think that. But Rachel Bell, you're a Jew girl. You don't need a tree. You're a Meshuga, okay? No tree, you crazy lady. Bye. Love you. So I never got the Christmas tree. But I do call my mom every single year the day of my Hanukkah party because I can never remember the right ratio of potato and onion and matzo meal for my potato latkes. So I've kept it pretty dewy. And now it's time to get to the heart of the matter. What would Barbara the mom choose for her last meal? Probably be lobster. Lobster? Because I don't need it. Lobster. So fancy. Well, I do. Well, you know, I I love seafood, and I probably would eat corn on the cob with uh, San Francisco sourdough bread and lobster and prawns. You know, that would be delish and crab. Yum. And a baked potato. Mm, I love Why a baked potato. And would you dip your enjoy. lobster in melted butter? Not so much the butter. Lemon. Yeah. Just to taste the lobster. So normally in an episode of Your Last Meal, we would go on a deep dive into the history of the food that the person chose. But this week, we're going to skip it. And that actually works out just fine, because in the next episode of Your Last Meal, coming up in two weeks, my guest also weirdly chose lobster for his last meal. And we're really excited about this guest. It is celebrity astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson. So put on your Pluto pants, because this is going to be a real fun one. We're going to talk about lobster. But right now, we're going to go back to my mom. Have you ever heard of this? Um, people now have their placentas dehydrated after they give birth, and someone will put it into a capsule, and then they'll take these capsules. So they're basically eating their placentas so that it's supposed to make your milk come in more and help with postpartum depression. Have you heard of that before? No. It sounds disgusting, actually. <laughs> it doesn't sound good. Would Would you do it? Uh, 
if they flavored it. I don't know. How would they make it that you would you think ta- that it would be? You take it as a pill. Something. Oh, as a pill. Yeah. So they sure. grind it up and then you take it in a capsule. Oh, probably. Yeah. Absolutely. That'd be interesting. They're doing that now. After this break, we're going to educate you on placenta encapsulation. Yeah. Aaron Mason barfing noises. We're just going to take a quick break. Please come back. Don't be grossed out. It's going to be good. Interesting. It's good for your mind. Just a ferry ride away from Seattle is the Kitsap Peninsula, a land of gorgeous forests, sparkling water for kayaking and stand-up paddleboarding, and adorable seaside towns with locally owned boutiques and family-owned restaurants. I have done so many day trips to the Kitsap Peninsula, wine tasting on Bainbridge Island, a girl's trip to Paul's Bow, ice cream and architecture in Port Gamble, watching the seals play from the beach in Port Orchard, and I still haven't seen it all. If you're like me and like off-the-beaten-path places where the locals vacation, you are going to love the Kitsap Peninsula. And this month, we're talking about Bremerton and Silverdale. So Bremerton is known as a naval town, and there are museums if you're into the big ships. But the restaurant scene has been really growing over the past several years. Grab a bowl of clam chowder or homemade lumpia at Bremerton's veteran-owned Axe and Arrow. And visit a land and gardens to see meticulously trimmed bonsai and a tree that has been around since 300 BC. Plan your visit. Go to visitkitsap.com slash meal. You can also find a link in the show notes. Play and stay Day on the Kitsap Peninsula, the natural side of the Puget Sound. And we're back. That dumb? <laughs> we'll just go for it anyway. I hope you use the break to not only buy a bottle of Heritage Distillery hooch so you can feel as drunk as I sound, uh, but also subscribe and review the podcast. And there's a super easy way to do it. Uh, just pull out your phone tippy tappy type the uh, yourlastmealpodcast.com and that will take you straight to the page for subscribing and leaving a review no matter what kind of phone you have except if you have a flip phone which I think those are cool I think it would be cool if you had a flip phone so when I was thinking about a Mother's Day episode I thought of these very biological mom food kind of things like breastfeeding you know that's a food from a mom really literally. Uh, And the other thing I thought about, people who eat their placentas. So stay with me here. Many, many years ago, I read this book called Women Who Eat. And it was a collection of short stories in all topics having to do with women and eating. And one of them was a woman who ate her placenta, like threw that thing on the grill and just ate it with a knife and fork. And the idea was that she was going to get all of these nutrients that she lost from the birth. Well, It turns out that's not very common, but something that is actually pretty common these days is placenta encapsulation. Hi, Hi, I'm Rachel. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. I visited the home of Heather Wosky, whose website Seattle Placenta Encapsulation has an About Me section, and this is the sentence at the start of that page. I'm Heather Wosky, and I love placentas. I have two different methods. I do the traditional method where I steam it first with lemon, jalapeno, and ginger, the warming herbs postpartum for moms. That's kind of the traditional Chinese way of doing it. And then I steam it, dehydrate it, uh, grind it into powder, fill into capsules. And then there's the raw start method where moms don't want the steaming done first. And in those methods, I'm just taking it from the raw form and dehydrating it for a longer period of time at a higher temperature to kill bacteria. 
and then grinding it into powder and filling it into capsules. So what is the benefit of this? When did this start becoming a part of Western culture and, and what is it supposed to do? I'm not sure when it started becoming a part of Western culture, but I have heard of families doing this back in the 70s. I've started doing this in 2010. What we see from what women who take their placenta postpartum are telling us is we're seeing a decreased risk of postpartum baby blues. We're seeing um, postpartum pain reduction. Postpartum bleeding is tends to be shorter or lighter. Oh, big thing is lactation. We're seeing a lot more milk production. And I've, I've actually had clients call me about 48 to 72 hours into taking their pills and say, oh my gosh, I'm, ma- I'm making too much. What should I do? Should I take less pills? Not too often. Usually it's like, wow, my milk came in so much faster than the first time I had a baby and I didn't encapsulate my placenta that time. And I wonder, um, those are some of the main, and iron, uh, for sure, we're seeing less iron deficiency postpartum. Is there any scientific evidence backing this up? Have there been studies and things like that? Right. That's the hard one. Um, There are some older studies done on placentas that we do see actual evidence as to why. Like We we know what's in the placenta. We know that some women who suffer from postpartum depression are low in, it's called a corticotropin-releasing hormone, which the placenta produces a ton of in the third trimester. So we know that that's in there, and we're, and there are some studies showing, well, maybe because that's in there, and they've learned that postpartum depression has really low levels of that hormone, and women who are taking their placentas postpartum are having better postpartum emotions. It could be from the fact that they are getting those hormones in the placenta. Um, But the studies are pretty limited, unfortunately. It's not like the FDA really has much interest in putting too much money into uh, studies on placentas. The most recent study I've seen locally, I think, was out of University of Nevada. And I I can't really call it a study because there are so few participants they used. There is one being done right now. I forget who's doing it. I'm on the email list, and I know it's a group of doctors, researchers, midwives. So everything that you know about the benefits is just kind of anecdotally and and watching it work in people? Right. A lot of it is anecdotal. Most of it right now. I mean, aside from those small studies we do see in that they've done. I mean, they're, they're just much older studies. And they do show really great postpartum benefits. Pretty much everything we're seeing is what those old studies have shown. But yeah, there's not a ton of new studies done on it. So one thing we have to talk about is the gross out factor, because mm-hmm. everyone that I've told this to is like, oh my God, so gross. And like, it doesn't bother me. I just feel like once it's in the capsule, it's just like buying meat at the store that's already been butchered or whatever. Like you don't see how the sausage is made. What do people say when you tell them what you do for a living? What do people say? Oh man, um, I get such a mix of, ew, is that, that's like, is that like cannibalism or, um, or just, ew, I don't want to hear about it. That's gross to fa- people being completely fascinated or people who I am shocked that are like, oh, yeah, I've totally heard of that or I have friends who've done that. They automatically think I'm a midwife or something. But um, I'm a vegan, actually. I'm just not gross out at all I because it comes from life, not from killing, you know. It's what gave nutrients to life form. I don't have a gross out factor at all personally to it, but... I find that men do more than women. 
Is there a certain kind of person that does this? I think probably people think of just like this super hippie kind of image. Yeah, and that's what I wondered when I even got into this. Of, of who am I going to be serving? And nope, there I have learned, at least in my business, I don't know about other people who are doing this in Seattle, and, but I get everyone, everyone. I actually get less of the super hippie. I get some of them for sure. But I've gotten like neuroscientists. I get Microsoft families. I get doctors, nurses, people running dental practices. Uh, that's that's one thing I always tell people when they're asking about this. They're like, wow, that sounds so new, agey, hippy-dippy. And I'm like, tell that to my tech Amazon clients. <laughs> so yeah, there's. I'm learning in, in the six and a half years I've been doing this, I do not have a typical person who chooses to do this. I have everyone. Heather charges about 200 bucks and she will actually come up to the hospital or to your house, wherever you give birth, and she'll pick it up uh, and then she'll spend a few days working on it and she'll bring you back the capsules a few days later. She recommends that new moms take one to two capsules three times a day for the first few weeks after giving birth. And she did this when her son was born. She actually froze a bunch of her extra capsules and she's going to save them for when she goes through menopause because she heard that in Chinese medicine, that's something that women will do and it actually can help you at that time in your life as well. So after you've heard all this placenta stuff, producer Aaron, are uh-huh. you still grossed out? Yep. What grosses you out about it? I, maybe it's a boy thing, but there, there's just something about, it's a human organ, like liver grosses me out. I feel like I'm, this is sort of the same, but worse. I'm not a fan of human organs either. I mean, I enjoy them in my body, you know, keeping me alive. I don't want to look at one. I don't want to touch one. But this just listening to her talk about it doesn't bother me because she's not using gross words. And also, once that thing's in a little capsule, I don't it doesn't bother me. If you like listening to your last meal, you might like watching my new TV show, The Nosh with Rachel Bell. We just wrapped up season one, so there are four tasty episodes ready for you to binge at CascadePBS.org. In episode one, I convince an East Coast skeptic that Seattle now has fantastic bagels. And in the season finale, we go truffle hunting just about an hour outside of Seattle. Episodes are a quick bite just eight and a half minutes long. So grab a snack and cozy up with the nosh. Available anytime, anywhere at CascadePBS.org or find a link in the show notes. And that was my mom who doesn't deserve a name's last meal. Moms don't get names. They're just mom. Remember there was always a kid though who was like four years old and they would call their mom by their first name and they had like a big power trip. Yeah. Yeah. Like those kids were in charge of the house. Anyway, that was my mom's last meal. My favorite thing that my mom makes is her matzo ball soup. The secret is parsnips and fresh dill. She also throws down a mean game of mahjong which she casually refers to as Maj, and she even competes in Mahjong tournaments in Vegas. Is that true? Yes. <laughs> and she makes Mahjong jewelry, and she sets up a booth, and she sells it there. Look for Barbara. Buy all of your Mahjong jewelry from her. Thank you so much to Heather Waski at Seattle Placenta Encapsulation, original music by Prom Queen. This episode was produced by Aaron Mason and me. And let's get excited for the next episode. I am doing a raise the roof with my hands right now, which is cool. Um, When astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson is my special guest. I'm Rachel Bell. And until next time, this is your last meal. The millennium, how do you say millennium? Millennials? Millennial kids are doing that. They're thinking about (laughs) doing that. And